Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. When I was in uh, my junior year of high school, I went to a new school, which I would end up graduating from, and one of the things that they distributed the very first week of school was a little booklet, and it was uh, called the Seaweed. It was the annual identification publication of the school, and it was basically a a book that had everybody's picture in it uh, with their name so that you could attach faces to names. And I had never seen anything like this. I know there's a lot of schools that do it. In college, they did it. But this was high school, and it was a new thing for me. So I I remember getting together with some people, and it it was like a tradition. We would go and uh, get together in somebody's room, and uh, you would just start circling the pictures of all of the girls that you wanted to meet. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like this was a catalog, and you could order them. But you saw the pictures and you said, okay, this is when I want to meet, this is when I want to meet, and you kind of compared things. And that was a few years ago, a couple of years ago. Today, everything's completely different. Uh, There are apps now, and many of you know them, but there are apps now where all you do is you get basically the same thing, a running catalog of uh, faces of people. And... And, and now all you do is you swipe left and you swipe right. You swipe left if you're not interested in the person. You swipe right if you're interested in the person. And if they see your picture and they swipe right, they hook you up together. And it's so fast and easy and simple, but it's completely changed the rules of what it means to have relationships today. It's, it's different. And so this series, this, this whole series that, that we are in, Swipe, right, uh, is primarily aimed at people who are single. And here at our church, we have a lot of them. Now, for those of you, like me, who are married, and you're probably thinking, well, what does this have to do with me? Well, for those of you that are married, my hope is this, is partly that you're going to go through this and you go, oh, that's why it's like that. But I'm also hoping that as you listen through this, that you might hear something that would help you talking to somebody who comes and asks you, why is everything the way that it is? So, but for those of you who are here that are single, and for those of you who are listening to us online that are single, I want you to know that we are doing this series for one reason, and that is because I want you to have great relationships. And I want you to do it the first time. Because me, like many other people, we didn't get it right the first time. Because relationships are hard. And many of the people around you who are married, they can tell you that they didn't get it right the first time either. So for those of you who are single, you guys getting this right now is is a big thing to me. It's an important thing for me. Because every week I'm here and I look around this room and I see that there's some of you here who are dating, there's some that want to be dating, there's some of you that have totally given up on dating, some of you might have come out of a bad relationship or even a rough divorce, and you might be looking at dating today differently than you did 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Some of you here have never seen a good marriage, 
And so you've decided that marriage isn't for you. And what I'm hoping is that over the next few weeks, that you're going to change your mind, that you're going to want to be married. Some of you have decided that it's not right right now, and, and, and you want to wait until the fun part of your life is over. And my hope is that you're going to see that marriage can be the fun part of your life. So this really is for anybody. It, it's for anybody who's thinking that marriage might be someday the thing that is for me. It's anybody who thinks that they might want to or that are looking to try to find the right person, who, who, who thinks that they're trying to, to stay together until the whole till death do us part thing comes about. And if that's where you are, then I hope that our time here together and over these next few weeks is going to be helpful for you. Now, I know that for some of you, you're going to get a little frustrated as we go through these next few weeks. Because if you are the type of person who dates recreationally, yeah, I don't know what they call it today. Way back when, they used to call it playing the field, right? They used to call it being a playa. Right? You know that old saying, uh, don't hate the playa, hate the game? Right? So for some people, dating is a game. And, and, and for some people, they're in it for the fun, they're in it for the pleasure, they're in it for the challenge, they're in it for the sex. And if you don't mind waking up on the weekends, feeling like crap, and not knowing exactly why you did what you did the night before, but thinking that next weekend you're going to be going out and doing the exact same thing, Listen, you're living the life, and I get that. And you're not going to love this series. But, and I get you probably won't even be paying attention to me. And there's cheese. So if you guys want to just get some cheese, that's good. But here's what I'm going to do. For those of you who right now this isn't going to mean anything to you, you have a connection card. On that connection card, just write your name, and on the back of it, just write two letters, CD. And what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to take these four messages and I'm going to put them on a CD and I'm going to send them to you. And you can take that CD and put it in a drawer somewhere and completely forget about it. But one day I know that you might change your mind about what you think about relationships and what you want to have out of your relationships. And maybe you're going to start thinking that, you know, I need to take my life into a different direction. And you might start to think, where is that stupid CD but it might be helpful for you. There's one other thing that I need you to know, and it's, it's one of those things that people assume that everybody knows, but it's one of those things you really don't think about. And, and this can get kind of confusing, so I want you to stay with me. Right now, we are in the present. But one day, the present, which is right now, will be in your past. You with me? When you're in the future, your present right now is in the past, one thing is certain. Your past, your dating life, everything that you have done is going to show up in your present, which at that time, from now is your future. You, you with me? See, this is one of the things that no one told most married people before they got married. That your past will be present in your future. And most of us who were married, like me, we were never told that. See, what we were told and what we thought was, we can do anything that we want 
up until that moment that you're standing there in front of the preacher and you say, I do. And once the I do happens, everything that you've done in the past is gone. It's, it's a clean slate. You get to start over. And we figured that we would just put the past behind us and we get to start fresh and all of the stuff that we did wouldn't matter and we get to move forward. That's what we thought. And we thought that because no one ever told us that it was different. And no one ever told us what it is that I am going to tell you. And that is that even when your present becomes your past, it will still be present in your future. Your present right now, what you're doing in your dating life, all of that will all one day be your past. But one day you will look back in your present, which is the future, and you will see that your past is still going to keep showing up in your future. Everything you're doing now is going to follow you around. And many of us married people, we didn't know that. And so we weren't ready when it happened to us. Now, over the years, I have had, and I don't know if you want to call it an opportunity, but I've, I've, had, uh, I've been able to do uh, pre-marriage counseling, marriage counseling, post-marriage counseling. And one of the things that I have realized is that I've never talked to a couple who had marriage problems. See, what happens is single people with problems come together and they get married and they bring their problems into their marriage. So they don't have marriage problems. They have two single people problems that have been jammed together into a marriage. And what they discovered and what no one ever told them and what you, those of you who are single, are going to be so much smarter and so better off understanding is that when you're a single person, you bring into your marriage all of the problems that you had with you when you were single. See, nobody goes into counseling for a marriage problem. You know what a marriage problem is? A marriage problem is which side of the bed do you want to sleep on? That's a marriage problem. A marriage problem is, are we going to open our account at a bank or a credit union? Those are problems that you have in a marriage. But you don't need to see anybody to fix those problems. The problem for married people was, is that we figured that the moment that we said, I do, we get to start over. And everything is brand new for us. And we never realized that that moment that you say, I do, you've now dragged all of your single people problems into your marriage. And so right now, everything that you're doing, even if you are under 20 years old, even if you're under 18 years old, everything that you're doing right now matters, and you need to know that. But the other reason that married people get into so much trouble, and this is kind of the theme for our message today, the other reason is that we were sold on a myth. And it's not completely our fault, because Movies and television and music, they all sell us on this myth, and no one ever told us that all of the things that we were being told weren't true. So if you're single, I really need you to get this, okay? And I need you to, to listen to what I'm saying because I don't want you to buy into this same myth. And it's what I call the soulmate myth. And the soulmate myth goes like this. When I marry my soulmate, everything is going to be okay. When I finally marry the right person, everything is going to be all right. 
And what they didn't know was, was that while they were out there trying to find their soulmate, thinking that if I could just meet my soulmate, then everything would be all right, and then they finally meet their soulmate, they didn't know that their soulmate was doing the same thing, going out and trying to find their soulmate. And so when the two meet each other and they think, oh, she's the right person, I finally met them. We're soulmates. And the guy says, oh, I finally found the right person. And the girl says, I finally found the right person. And do you know how they know that that's the right person? Chemistry. Right? Something just feels right. We can talk for hours. I can't think of anything else except her. I can't think of anyone but him. I can't keep my eyes off of him. I can't keep my eyes and other stuff off of her. And there's just something that we have. We just have chemistry. And so what happens next is single people, they get this idea, right? You, you never buy a car without taking it for a test drive. You, you never buy a pair of shoes without trying them on and working, walking around the store, right? So they start getting physical. And there's touching and there's sex. And they think, and I know this because I've been there. Wow, this is awesome. This is amazing. We have so much chemistry. And they come to the conclusion that they've finally met the right person and that everything is going to be all right now because I finally met the right person. And the other person is thinking the exact same thing. So they get together. You with me? They think everything's perfect and they get together. And they believe that no one has ever loved the way that we love each other. Throughout the history of time, there's never been another love like this. You know, Dion Warwick, right? I know I'll never love this way again. And you think, wow, this is better than a Nicholas Spark movie. All right? This is better than a Babyface song. We have something perfect right here because we're soulmates. So we tell each other. And they're totally convinced that this is the right person. And they get married. And the problem is, is that before they got married, all they were looking for was chemistry. And after they get married, what they find out is that the only thing that they have is chemistry. They didn't know very much about having a relationship because they thought that as long as I can find the right person, as long as I can find my soulmate, I don't need to be, I don't need to be good at relationships, right? Women think, I don't have to be patient because if I find my soulmate, he's never going to do anything that's going to require me to be patient, right? <laughs> and so they get married. And they don't have marriage problems. And they don't have chemistry problems. They have relationship problems. Because they're in a relationship now, but they didn't do anything to prepare for being in a relationship. They thought, as many of us have thought, that chemistry was enough. And so there's problems that come up. And when the problems come, do you know what is the first thing to suffer? The chemistry. And so where it used to be so passionate, 
and so awesome and so hot, that part of the relationship starts to die. And the guy is confused, right? Because everything used to be so hot and now it's not. And he thinks that if there can just be more sex, then everything's going to work out. And if you tell that to the girl, she's going to be like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> and so they're both confused. And they're both frustrated. Now, follow where I'm going here. Because this is something that has happened time and time again and over and over again. And for those of you who are single, if you can stay with this, if you can pick up on this, then you're going to be so much smarter than everyone else out there. The one thing that held them together was chemistry, and that starts to die first because they're not good at relationships, because they bought into the soulmate myth. And this is what happens, not always, but you probably already know in your mind, as I'm going to talk about this, someone who fell into this trap. They get married and there's problems. And so everything starts to break down. The chemistry breaks down. They're fighting all the time. And then one of them, most often the woman, gets this brilliant idea. I know what's going to bring us closer. Can you guess? A baby. That's what we're going to do. It's brilliant. And men, sometimes we're idiots. So if you go to your man and you say, I know what's going to bring us closer, having a baby, all the man is thinking, baby, hmm. That means I get to have sex. That's what we think. And so the man is in. And so they go and they have a baby. Now, I know you're thinking that that's the stupidest thing that you've ever heard, and who on earth would ever do something like that? But listen, single people, something happens after you get married, and that's how married people think. Because there's some married people here who are listening to us or some of you who are listening to us online and you're thinking to yourself, how did he know? And I'll tell you how I know. It's because it's not something new. It has happened over and over and over again. It's not, you know, we, we like to think that our situation is unique and it really isn't. It's predictable. So they go and they have the baby. And now the chemistry hasn't been fixed. So there's... Still no passion, there's still no chemistry, except now there's a baby who's keeping you up all night. The passion is still gone, the romance is still gone, but there's a little tiny thing screaming at you at 3 o'clock in the morning, and no one is getting any sleep. And one day, the guy goes into work, and guess who he bumps into? his soulmate. He bumps into the right person. And he thinks, do you know what's wrong with my marriage? I married the wrong person. That's why everything is going wrong. I was going to use another word, but... And of course, the girl who is on Facebook and sees her high school prom date and sees the happy pictures he posts of him and his wife and his kids, and they're on vacation, and they're shopping. And she realizes that she finally knows what's wrong with her marriage. She married the wrong person. 
Are you single people getting this? This is why second marriages fail at a faster rate than first marriages do. And this is something that you need to know because married people will do the exact same thing over and over again expecting a different result because they still believe in the soulmate myth. They still believe that if they can just find the right person that everything is going to be all right. But for those of you who are single, this doesn't have to be your future. This doesn't have to be the way your life turns out. You can do it differently. You can do it better. And one of the problems is is that our culture doesn't make it popular to have a good marriage. Our culture doesn't make it popular to have a good relationship. It's not because they're against good marriages or good relationships. It's just that good marriages are boring. Good relationships are not exciting. There are no movies about a good marriage. There are no TV shows about a good marriage. Nobody wants to see married people on screen having sex. That is not popular. No one wants to see that. And in our culture of entertainment, good marriages and good relationships just aren't entertaining. And if what you want is to be entertained, then go ahead and watch. But don't think for a minute that what you are seeing is actually how reality is. And you might be thinking, well, I'm not that stupid. And listen, I get that. I, I have children who are dating age. And I know, you, you say things and you say, hey, uh, I hear what you're saying, I'm not that stupid. But if you buy into the soulmate myth, if you buy into the idea that there is a Mr. Right or a Mrs. Perfect out there for you, and if you date with that idea that you just have to find the right person, and everything is going to be all right, then you're going to fall into the same trap. And so as we start this series, there's one big idea that I want you to grab onto, one idea that, that is going to kind of run through all of the messages that we're going to talk about here. And, and, and it's this. Instead of finding the right person, are you working on being the right person? Instead of spending all of your effort and your time going around trying to find your soulmate, are you spending any time working on being what your soulmate would be looking for? Now, did you get that? Because I know it sounds kind of cutesy, and, and, and I know that you can listen to it, and, and it, doesn't, it feels like it's too simple to actually be helpful. But that is the big idea, and that's the thing that nobody has told you. It's the thing that nobody has told most married people, and it's why most people date the way they do. But it's also why most people end up in bad relationships and in bad marriages. And then they wake up one morning, and, and they think, what happened to all of the passion, and what happened to all of the romance, and what happened to all of the chemistry? And it was because they were trying to find the right person but they never spent any time or energy in becoming the right person. And that is it right there. That is what will make all the difference in your life. It will make the difference for you, for the person you marry, for your kids, for your, the future of your family. I was talking to a friend of mine, and she is a romantic. I mean, she loves everything romance, romantic movies, 
uh, romantic television shows, romantic music, just romance in general. And when you talk to her, she's always looking for her soulmate. She's always looking for that one person that's, that's you know, going to make her heart flutter and, and, and is perfect for her. And she just knows that he's out there. And she's always disappointed because she can never find him. So in this conversation that we're having one day, I asked her what her soulmate would be like. I mean, what is this guy that she's looking for? What is he like? And so she starts to describe him, his age, his height, his job, his personality. And then I asked her to describe what type of girl that that guy would be interested in. And there was silence. And then she started crying. And when she could finally stop crying enough to talk, she said, I'm not the person that he would be looking for. So if you're single and you're listening, if you're dating or if you want to be dating or if you're kind of in a relationship, you have to ask yourself, am I the person that the person I am looking for is looking for? Am I the person that the person I'm looking for is looking for? In other words, if I came up with a list of all the qualities that I want to have in a person, you know, I want him to be like this. I want her to be like this. I I want him to have this in his past. I don't want her to have this in her past. I don't want him to have this addiction. I don't want her to have spent so much time on this. If you could describe this perfect person for you, what would that look like? What would he or she look like? But then ask yourself, are you the person that the person you are looking for is looking for? In other words, are you intentional about becoming, about trying to become the person who you're looking for is looking for? Or are you still buying into the soulmate myth and hoping that one day you're just going to magically find the right person and everything is going to be okay? Listen, if you are single, this approach has the potential to completely change your life. And the the interesting thing is, is that when we look at Scripture, we're going to see that there's very little in Scripture about finding the right person. But if you open up the Scriptures and you ask God how you can become the right person, you will be surprised that there is so much in there about that, about becoming the right person. And this really shouldn't be surprising to us. If, if you're a Christian, then you know that God created us for relationships. You know that we're wired to want someone to love us. We want someone to say that we're the most important person in the world to them. We want someone to say that they, they love and respect us so much that they would follow us anywhere. There's something in us that, that's just designed that way. We're wired for that. But it doesn't happen naturally. Fortunately, Scripture gives us a list, and I love lists. There's nothing more satisfying than just crossing stuff off of lists. And Scripture gives us a list of the things that we need to become. Now, we're not going to be able to go through everything on the list today, but I'm going to tell you where you can find it. Some of you probably already know where it is because you've seen it many times. But, and I know this is going to sound a little crazy, but if you are single... What I'm suggesting to you is that in every conversation with anyone, anyone you date, anyone you think about dating, anyone you think that might one day possibly, if he cleans up his act, potentially be someone that you want to date, anyone, 
that you begin to practice the things on this list. Because this list just may be the list that you need to become the person that the person you are looking for is looking for. It's from one of the most famous chapters in Scripture. In fact, if you've ever been to a wedding or been in a wedding or have heard about a wedding, then you've probably heard it before. It's from a letter that was written by a guy named Paul. Some of you know him as the Apostle Paul or St. Paul. But he wrote it to a, a church in Corinth, and it's, it's the first letter, and, and it's 1 Corinthians, and it's chapter 13, and it's what many people refer to as the love chapter, because that's what it's about. And I've read this many times before. And the problem with reading this over and over again, or sitting in a room like this and listening to somebody at the front read it at a wedding over and over again, is I think it kind of deadens us to what the specific words really mean. So we're going to take a little bit of a closer look at it today. He starts off by saying this in 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to start in verse 4. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, you can, but we're also going to put it on the screen. And Paul writes this. He says, love is patient. Now, do you know what that means? It means that love never, ever, ever pressures the other person. Ever. Now, let me just add a little caveat here. I'm not talking about, we're going to be late for church this morning, so we have to go. That kind of pressure. That's not the kind of pressure I'm talking about. That is okay. So there's a lot of power sitting up here, standing up here. Listen, love doesn't push people into doing things that they're not sure that they want to do. Love doesn't pressure people. If you're being pushed, if you're in a relationship and you're being pressured, then that's not love. And this isn't something that happens after you say, I do. This is something that happens over time. It's something that happens with every person that you meet, every person that you talk to, in every relationship that you're in, on every single date. Love doesn't pressure. He goes on. He says this. He says, love is patient, but it's also kind. Now, kind is kind of a hard word for us to grasp because in our vocabulary, kind has a very weak connotation. But a better word for it is considerate. Do you know what considerate means? Considerate, me considerate means taking into consideration how the other person feels all the time. And that's not easy to do. Especially if you want pho and the other one wants pizza. Right? Sometimes you can push your way into it, but you want to be considerate. So he says, love is patient, love is kind, or considerate. And see, here's the thing. One of the things that we think of is that if once we find our soulmate, that's when I'm going to start to be patient. Right? We don't have to be patient with anybody, but if I could just find the right person who looks the right way and talks the right way, then that's when I will start to be patient. The problem with that is, is that that's the worst possible time for you to start. And what I'm suggesting to you is that you need to work on those things now in every single relationship that you have so that by the time the right person comes along, you are already the kindest, most considerate person, the most patient person that they've ever met. 
And this is part of the soulmate myth that has tripped up so many married couples. Because married people thought, you know, I don't need to be kind or patient because when I finally meet the right person, he's going to be so right or she is going to be so perfect that I won't have to be patient. He is going to just, just want to do anything that I want to do so I won't have to be considerate. But that's never how it works out. He goes on and he says this, love is not jealous. Now, most people read this and they think, love is not jealous. That means that if you're walking down the street and he goes and looks over at some girl, don't be jealous. That's not what Paul is talking about. He's not saying don't be jealous over another person. He's saying don't be jealous over the other person. Don't be jealous over the person that you are in the relationship with. See, what happens for a lot of people is you're not happy with who you are, and so you just figure the other person isn't going to get to be happy with who they are. You get what I'm saying? You're not jealous because of a third person. You're jealous over the person that you're in a relationship with. And not being jealous means being okay with the other person being right. Not being jealous means being okay with the other person being better or being smarter. Not trying to bring them down, but being okay when they shine. And this doesn't come naturally. It's something that we have to work on. And you ever have a date with a person that's like this, and you can, you can just, sometimes you imagine it and you think to yourself, that is going to be the most boring date in the world. That is not what I want to do. But listen, some of you came from families that were a complete mess. Mom and dad didn't get along. They argued all the time. Maybe they even ended up in divorce. And you look at your mar their marriages and you think, if that's what marriage is like, then I don't want to get married. Now, you may, this may not even be in your family. You may have seen this in, in your extended family or in, in friends. But listen, do you think that your family life or that person's family life would have been better if your father was more patient with your mother? Do you still think, do you think that your parents might still be together if your mother was more considerate of your father, or if your father was kinder to your mother? What would have happened if your father wasn't so proud that he couldn't admit when he was wrong? Or if your mother wasn't so proud? I mean, we can look at families now, families that we know, marriages that we know, and we can look at them and we can say, yes, these things that Paul is talking about, they definitely make a difference. And you have an incredible opportunity to do it right the first time. So if you're single, you have a chance to avoid the heartache. But you have to step up. You have to, to have the, the courage to say that, God, I want you to transform my character to make me the person that the person I am looking for is looking for. Because the hard reality is, is that it's very possible if you're single, that you've already met, or maybe even the very near future will meet the person of your dreams. But because you aren't the person that the person you're looking for is looking for, they're not going to be attracted to you. Let's look at one more. Verse 5, it says this, love, it doesn't demand its own way. Now, in, in the original translation, it's actually translated better as love does not create dishonor. Do you know what that means? 
it means that love never does anything to create regret. It means that you never ever become a part of someone else's regret story. Someone else out there saying, I wish I had never answered that phone call. I wish I had never answered that text. I wish I had never gone on that date. I wish I hadn't had said yes. Paul is saying that anything that we do, anything that ever creates regret in a relationship, we shouldn't do. We shouldn't do anything that is disgraceful or dishonorable or indecent. Now, I'm not stupid, and I've had lots of friends over the years, and so I know that for some people, that's the goal. Because, listen, a lot of the things that we call fun or the culture tells us is fun is indecent. They aren't honorable. They aren't gracious. And, and I get that those things can also be fun. And listen, I am not here to judge you. If that's what you're doing, you are still welcome here. I'm still going to love you. I'm going to keep you as far away as possible from my daughter, but I'm going to love you. And I'm going to accept you just the way that you are. I'm not going to make you feel guilty. I'm not going to condemn you or, or, or point a finger at you. I want you to get this because I care about you guys. And I want you to get this right because so many married people who have come before you got it wrong. The things that you are doing now that let you live that life of fun, all of those things will come back and will destroy the most important things in your future. Now, this is how Paul ends it. And this is very strange because this next verse is a verse that, that if you have grown up in church, you've probably heard many, many times. But I'll bet that you didn't know that this came at the end of the love chapter. It's verse 11 and it says this. this he, Paul, and he's starting out and he says, When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. Okay, that makes sense, right? It makes sense. When you're a child, that's what children do. You speak as a child, right? You think as a child, you reason as a child. And then he's, but he says that, but when I grew up, in other words, when I became an adult, when I became a man or, or a woman, he says, I put away childish things. Now, for many years when I read that, I put away childish things, what I understood it to mean was that I would put away being childish, you know, like acting a fool, childish. But that's not what that word means. It's not putting away childish things. It's putting away the things that you did in your childhood. Now, let me ask you this question. You know, when I was growing up, my, from, it was a very big value for my parents for me to read. So next to my bed, there was a, a, a bookshelf, and there were, there were books on it. And a lot of those books were fairy tales. Now, if you took a look at every childhood fairy tale, how does it end? How does it end after the princess kisses the frog and the frog turns into a prince? How does it end after the prince kisses the sleeping princess and she finally wakes up? How does it end after the prince defeats the dragons or, or defeats the evil stepmother or defeats the big scary monster? Listen, every single fairy tale that you have read that starts with once upon a time ends with what? And they lived happily ever after. Because in fairy tales, 
if you can just get the guy and the girl together, if you can just get them through the battle and just put them in the same place together, the rest of it takes care of itself. Some of you are dating and you're thinking and reasoning like a child. And it's time that you realize that you are not a child, you are a grown person. And it's time to put away the fairy tales and decide that finding the right person has nothing to do with how Disney movies tell you that it's going to happen. You have to make the decision that from this moment forward, you are going to do everything in your power to become the person that the person you are looking for is looking for. And listen, this is your best chance for success in your relationships, in your marriage. And the thing is, it's not that difficult. I know that all of you can do it. And I want this for all of you so bad. I have seen too many marriages that have been destroyed. I have seen too many people go to sleep at night with heartache because they didn't get this part right. But even more than me, even more than I want this for you, the God who loves you and who created you and who created relationships and created you for relationships, He wants this for you. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.